Hey everyone, welcome back to Tactical Magic. This is Molly Mandelberg, your host, and I have one of my very best friends in the whole world with me today, Mr. David Knox, who is a brilliant man of, you know, many um, different capacities, and he's working on an awesome project right now that I'm really excited to share. But before all that, let's tune the show in for just a second. It's not just about mastering technology. It's not just about brand or messaging. It's not just about making more money. It's about showing up in a big way so your people can find you. This is about bringing your most wild and authentic self into the hustle and grind. Welcome to Tactical Magic, a business strategies podcast for the warrior goddess entrepreneur. Awesome. So David Knox is the author and creator of the Evolutionary Podcast. After decades of working in corporate America and striving for the standard American dream, David embarked on a journey of self-discovery that would lead him to start the Evolutionary, a podcast devoted to examining the acceleration we see happening in our species at this special time in human history and what we can each do to be a part of the awakening and the mutation of humanity into a species that perceives its unity and thrives in balance and harmony with itself, its environment, and the consciousness within it is nested, which with, within which it is nested. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Very well written, not so well spoken, but welcome to the show, David. <laughs> so Thanks. glad to have you here. So happy to be here. Yes. Did you know that this is my first uh, time on this set of the mic ever? No, I love it. You're, you've been rocking a podcast for a while, but this is your first time being interviewed on one. So that's really exciting. That's right. I would also like to note that my very first interview on the other side of the mic that I performed was Miss Molly Mandelberg. Well, we're just coming full circle. I'm just your first time on both sides. I love it. I know. It's so exciting. Yeah. Thank you, Thank <laughs> you for, awesome. for serving that uh, function and purpose and that, that nurturing uh, vibe and everything that you have uh, provided. This is fun. Yes, of course. It's my pleasure. And so David and I met at Burning Man, I think, or we met through our Burning Man family. No, it was on Playa for sure. Yeah. And just immediately sort of tuned into the fact that we both vibrate on a spiritual frequency and like to talk about the uh, esoteric and existential topics of the world. And he's been one of my favorite people to just geek out on this kind of conversation with. So I'm really excited to share that kind of conversation with all of you. But first I wanna talk about the evolutionary podcast and sort of how that happened. You don't have to talk about how I helped you launch it, but um, <laughs> how that came about and how you were sort of being tapped on the shoulder by this message and you know, how you gave into answering that call. Yeah. So I was sitting around in my late forties a couple of years ago and I was struggling with something that we all struggle with. Right. And that thing was trying to create my own fantastic life. Right. And it was going pretty well, but there's, I think everyone kind of has this hit and miss thing, especially when they're working with the esoteric. Right. And we'll just call it the law of attraction, even though that's a little passe right now. But, you know, we're all working with our energies to try to attract the life that we want. And it was going really well, but some things were really confounding me. And this hit and miss nature of, of that endeavor was really kind of eating at me. At the same time, I look out at the world and it's on fire. It's a freaking madhouse out there. And I'm thinking to myself, if I don't do something about the world, if we don't do something about the world, then our lives don't matter because we don't have a place to live it. And so I'm, I'm wrestling with this quandary and I decide that I've got to, and I have an insight and I'll share the insight with you in a moment, but I decide 
I decided that I can't spend another year in corporate America. I've, I've got to get out of the soul sucking, you know, tech sector job and actually try to do something that's going to make a difference and help people in the world. And I was led through synchronicity down to a seminar with my good friend, Molly Mandelberg. And, uh, many synchronicities lined up. Like I was just getting assaulted from Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz cup coming up. You send me this thing. It has a seminar in Santa Cruz and, and it's addressing four things and three of them I'm interested in. One of them I am not. And it was book writing, public speaking, doing seminars. That's what I was interested in and podcasting. I was patently not interested in that. I, I told my partner Katie in September, I'm not interested in doing that. She's like, why don't you do a podcast? No, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. So, so I go down there with you, spend two days at a three-day seminar, realize that I have to do a podcast because most of it was about that. And it just made sense. It's, it's the mechanism through which I could go out and not only try to build some interest in the idea that I have, but also it gets me to sit down and write the book, which is brilliant because I haven't actually found anything to get me to do that before I started this podcast. So. Fast forward, that was in late October last year. Yeah. That was almost exactly a year ago. Yeah. And I had already quit my job. My last day was, uh, I had already given notice. My last day was Halloween. And uh, fast forward a couple months and I'm working on my podcast and I'm like, I, it's complicated. I mean, there's a lot of things to have in, in order, right? I mean, it's not that hard once you figure it out, but I needed help. So I reached out to my good friend, Molly Mandelberg again who I keep referring to in the third person, please forgive. And, <laughs> and you got me sorted out on all kinds of fronts in terms of uh, the, the copy, all the tech in the background, um, how to launch, how to do a, a launch party, which got uh, the evolutionary ranked on Apple for a couple of weeks and it got it to show up in, in the search. Like if you don't do that, you don't actually show up. You can put in the, the evolutionary you know, everything perfect to the letter and it won't show up unless we go through that exercise, which we did. So it's a huge success in that respect. And uh, yeah, we're, we're 31, 32 episodes in now. And uh, it's, it's just, it's just good fun. I get to talk to the best people and it forces me to put my, my uh, uh, out of the podcast is most of the shows are interviews with awesome people like yourself. And then every four, five, or six episodes, I, I do a solo cast, which is just me talking. And it is the actual bones of the book. It's the kind of fleshed out outline. And I'm coming right up on halfway really soon. And probably about another month or two, I'll be halfway done. That's so exciting. <laughs> so oh my we'll God. The other half. Yeah. There's so, so much about that too. that I love that you were listening to the call. You took dramatic action in your life to actualize it. And even though you were telling yourself, no, I don't want to have a podcast, you noticed that that was actually something that was going to catalyze this message to go further. And you even were smart enough to utilize the creation of your podcast as a catalyst for accountability in creating your book, which has been sitting on the shelf, not getting worked on until you put this sort of machine in place. So that was brilliant. You figured out a way to sort of mind hack yourself into writing this book. If you were to summarize what the evolutionary is all about, I know I sort of spoke to it in your bio, but like in, in everyday terms, what is the purpose of the evolutionary? What is it about? Yeah. So 
I mentioned that I was struggling with a couple of things. One is the fact that the effing world is on fire and maybe I should do something about that. And the other one is the fact that it, it's been hit and miss with the law of attraction. So I've, I was, I was thinking about what is that variable that's missing? Why is it hit and miss? And a question occurred to me. It was one of the best questions I ever asked. And that is why would the universe care to give me what I want? Because the, the whole you know, manifestation culture is predicated upon this assumption that the universe will give you what you want. Never heard a good answer to that at all. In fact, I had heard stuff like, it gives you what you want because that's what you want. And it's just, that's just not very satisfying. You know, I'm actually kind of a skeptic at heart. So uh, I'd already also been studying physics a lot with Nassim Haramein's Organization Residence uh, Academy and other physicists as well. And there's this idea that has come around that we live in a holographic fractal universe. And what that means, the holographic part means that all of the information of the whole is present at every point, right? Which means to us that we've got access to all of the information in the universe. And the fractal part means that the equation or the pattern that makes up the entire universe also makes up everything within the universe. It's the same pattern. It's the same equation that's making up us. And so our nature is the nature of the universe. We don't have any choice about that. And the nature of the universe that we can observe is that it's evolutionary. It's like from the Big Bang on up, especially from biological life on up, we can see this Science, all scientists agree on this, that the universe, now, that the universe, and we used to have this big bang dead universe bullshit, you know, entropy kind of crap. That's, in that, that's, that's out the window. Physics has moved on from that. We now believe that we live in a, in a fully evolutionary universe. And so if that's the nature of the universe, that's what it wants us to do above everything else, above our happiness, health, and wealth, sometimes even our personal safety, it will drive us to evolve. Now we can have that happiness, health, and wealth, personal safety, but we have to get on board with the whole evolved stuff, right? Because that is our prime directive. I call it the primacy of the evolutionary imperative because I'm given to fancy titles. And, um, and that is the secret to the secret. It's the thing that's missing from our manifestation practices. And we get on board with that and we can start to move past the need that we have for the same old problems in our lives, right? We evolve and then we get to trade them in for better problems better challenges because i mean that's always going to happen right and so when i realized this you know it just it just fell into place and so much of my life made sense up to that point and so much of the way became clear in terms of like where do i focus now and also i wanted to share this idea because it occurred to me that in the manifestation culture we have a lot of very seasoned manifestors that are doing amazing jobs in their own lives and maybe even in their small communities. And yet secretly they feel like the world is doomed. And so they're walking around with this, this kind of background noise, this, this state in the background of their mind that says, I think that the world, like we've gone too far and you know, we're not gonna be able to pull up out of this nose dive. And if a seasoned manifester has that belief, that's problem because they're much better at manifesting than the person who isn't aware. And so, you know, they might be carrying a hundred, a thousand times more creativity 
creation power than someone who isn't aware. And so one of the things that I want to do is reach all the you manifestors out there and let you know that it's really important that we hold the vision that we want for our lives couched in the vision that we want for the world. It's like of the utmost importance that we hold on to that, that we cultivate it and then we defend it against all of the bullshit that is coming at us, you know, right and left, especially this year and probably next year and, and maybe even beyond. Uh, the world would like us not to hold that vision. We would, we need to hold that vision so that we can manifest that vision. And it's right there. And people are waking up right and left all over the world at all levels at all types of organizations. It is, it is the time of the second Renaissance and it's, it's right now we're, we're moving into the age of magic and miracles. And I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about it too. And I love how eloquently you just put that. And I think that, it, I talk about it also as an act of rebellion to look at the world right now and to look at the direction we all know and we're like knowing, expecting and aware of the likelihood of all these things that are supposed to occur if we keep going the way we've been going. It's, a, it's anarchy to choose to believe in a future that's different than that. And it's not to say we don't believe in the science of it, not to say we don't believe in the likelihood of it, but it's to actually create within ourselves, within this part of the hologram, that potential future reality that is actually greater than anyone else could ever project or expect or um, rationally assume will happen. And I love that. That is so worth putting our time and attention into. And one of the things that I love about you, David, is that you are one of the handful of people in my life who is absolutely ruthless about practicing what you preach and about putting daily effort into being the evolutionary and being the person who believes in a potential reality that's greater than the rest of you know society is willing to believe or can believe or does believe so what are some of the mechanics of your everyday life that you've gone to master and to practice so that you can be in that state and believe in that future yeah, that, that's a great question because that's what it all boils down to, right? Um, if you have these realizations, and, and I say this because I've worked, been working at this for years, decades, in fact, and, and I've known a lot of people who have been doing the same thing. And when you go into like the spirit head community, you see a lot of people who can really talk the talk, right? And when it comes, but then their life is a complete mess. And, and, uh, and so none of this makes any difference unless you, we can like p figure out how does it change the way we brush our teeth or, or, or the thoughts that we hold in, in our, in our head or, you know, the, what we're doing while we're driving down the street. Like that's what matters, the everyday moments. Right. And so it's, it's a, it's actually the perfect question. And the entire second half of the season and the book is called the, the evolutionary dynamic. And uh, we're, We'll be getting into that very soon in the evolutionary through the solo casts, starting with solo cast eight. I'm, I'm about to launch solo cast six. But the things that kind of make it up, just to give you a preview, are uh, one second. There we go. Are ultimately what we're going to do is we're going to first dismantle our worldview because we have this idea that our worldview it's accurate. And the, the idea that accuracy should even come into the conversation when talking about worldview is a little bit 
is incredibly misleading. Even the best physicists of today are like, eh, yeah, everything is, everything is perception and perception is completely up in the air and it's all based on our beliefs and our worldview is what we were given when we came into this world by our parents and society and school and all of this stuff. And so we all have this underlying worldview and we kind of have this consensus thing going on and that's what we see going on around us. But it's all a perception. It's all based on beliefs. And if we change our beliefs, we actually have a different experience in life. And if we can do that on the microcosm, well, shit, we can do that on the macrocosm. We can actually change the world in a single generation just based on worldviews. So the first thing that we do is dismantle our worldview. And I don't want to say, I don't think dismantle is right. I think it's expand our worldview. Because if you get down to the reality that nothing is accurate in our worldview and our worldview only serves to limit our possibilities, then what we really want to do is take the boundaries and move them out as far make them as big as the universe. And then you can believe anything that you want, right? I mean, it helps if it, if, if it's um, serving us, like I talk about a fluid utility based belief system, meaning that I can change my beliefs at any time based on new information. And there's some things that they need. There's criteria. They need to, they need to be in line with what I would like to see in the world. They need to at least somewhat resemble my experience. Right. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to get hung up on that because our experience was based on our worldview and that could, that could even change. Um, but then the big question is, do our beliefs serve us? And do they serve the rest of the world? And if they don't, change them. Like, try something else on for a while and, and find something that serves and then use that. And then when it no longer serves, change that one. This is a skill set and a practice that's really important for today's world because things are going to be changing a lot. The next thing is that we have to curate our own consumption. This, like if I had one thing to, to tell, if, if someone, if a muggle came up to me and said, ah, I'm going crazy, the, the news and the world, and I'm, I'm full of fear and stress and anxiety, I would, the, and tell me one thing, please, I have 30 seconds, I would say, curate your own consumption. And everything that you eat, drink, watch on any screen, listen to, all the conversations you engage in, your your relationships, your sexual partners, everything is a consumption. Everything that comes into us is remaking us every moment of the day. And so if we are not really like militant about saying, what do I want, to, what do I want to take into me to recreate me, then then we, we're at the whim of society, right? We're on Facebook, we're scrolling, we're on any of the platforms, we're listening to the news, we're listening to some we're listening to people get you know spun up about their personal life or about the larger world events and we don't get to actually choose what we're trying to hold in our heart and what we're trying to create in terms of our life so the biggest thing is to curate our own consumption and then we're going to get into uh in the next half of the season how to cultivate an open and active dialogue with the universal mind and that's kind of a, a lofty fluffy way of saying that we have to be very, very aware that we're always in that communication. We're always in that conversation. And so we have to be aware of what are we saying? 
saying, quote, air quotes, meaning everything that we think, feel, say, and do is an outgoing communication to the universal mind, right? And so what are we putting out there to the universal mind? And especially if we think of it as everything that we think, feel, say, do is a communication to the universal mind regarding how we would like our world to be. And uh, I heard Michael Singer say something along the lines of, if you had a kid and you gave them something and they complained about it, would you want, what would you do? Would you want to give them more good stuff? Or you'd be like, fine, here's some bad stuff, right? It's, it's kind of the same thing. Like we have to be able to put our attention on what we want to create that. And then we have to, we have to really pay attention to what is what we're hearing back from the universe, what life is telling us through, uh, th through the circumstances that develop through our personal relationships and especially through synchronicities because it's so fun. It is so fun. And I just want to reiterate what you just said, because I know there's a lot of people, even people in the spiritual world, even, I mean, you and me included that aren't impeccable with our word all of the time that yes, it is hard. People say it's so hard to change the way you think about things. Most people think it's impossible because it's challenging, but it mm -hmm. is literally a practice. And there's so many resources and tools to support you and so many groups and so many like people you can be in relationship with who are going to call you on it to literally just start changing the way that you speak and the way that you interact with that conversation with what you call the universal mind, I would call source or the universe, or, you know, some people want to call it God. When we get impeccable with that word, everything starts to fall into place more easily. Everything starts to shift and change. And it's the same thing in the way that you curate your consumption. If you start to be like huge stickler in what you're receiving and what broadcast you're tuning into and what relationships you're willing to give your energy and how you are not a victim or a passive receiver in any of those situations and you start to take charge of that and not, not control it but curate it like you said then that whole feedback loop of the universe giving you something back and you giving the universe something back, it starts to get easier. It starts to become natural. It starts to become a habit. It starts to become so much more clear to you energetically when you say something and then go, Ooh, I just said I can't, or Ooh, I just told the universe I want that. Like, no, let me come back, come back and start over. This is what I'm actually creating. This is what I actually desire to see in my life. This is actually who I want to receive and be around and, all of that. It's a practice and it's hard, but it's not impossible. It's just something we have to start learning how to do if we want to be on that high flying zone where we live in a world that doesn't have to end soon. <laughs> uh, absolutely. The stakes right. are so high, our, but it's worth our it. Words are, you nailed it. Our words are so important because they're like, when I say think, feel, say, do, I, I say that in that order for a reason, because our thoughts actually have been overbuilt a little bit. There's so many of them. That's the only reason they're so powerful is because they're a fucking deluge. A single thought is not that powerful. And next powerful would, but it is powerful because we have so many of them and what we do with them matters. But then our emotions are even more powerful because they're emotions. I mean, they move our whole body. They, they have, they're so energetically impactful and we don't have as many of them. So each of them is a lot more important. But then our words, like last time we talked, you talked about uh, the tree of life and the Kabbalah and, and the study of the Kabbalah is how to bring something from that state of pure potentiality into idea form and plan form and then eventually bring it on down through the Sephira 
of the Kabbalistic tree of life into manifestation here in the kingdom. And once you say a word, you just did that, right? You gave it, you gave it some concrescence on this plane. And so our words are incredibly powerful. And that's like the whole NLP thing, right? And uh, like learning how neuro-linguistic programming, if you're not familiar with it, people, uh, and you can look at, at the roster of my show or Molly's show and see probably several people who are practitioners of NLP if you want to get some training. But um, it's, it's learning how to use your words very precisely. And you're right, it's, it's just practice. Everything is practice, right? If we just like start trying to do it a different way, pretty soon it becomes just a natural thing and we hear the slips and we correct them we surround ourselves with people who support that and and a lot of people get really kind of excited about the idea of spiritual bypassing and i want to have a little, yeah. a little side note about that spiritual bypassing uh, of course it would be when you try to pretend like everything's fantastic even though the world's on fire and you just go oh, everything's gonna work out perfectly la 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 braid my hair um this is not that. It's not hiding from what's happening in the world. In fact, when you really get in touch with yourself and you start to resonate with the, uh, the collective intelligence of the whole, then you actually feel what's happening in the world a lot more viscerally, which kind of sucks. But you also, right, because, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of tragedy going on. But you also recognize at the same time that the news that we see that we're fed by the system, right? By society, by media, by science, by what, you know, all the other components of the matrix is no more real than the news that they're leaving out. Right? And yeah. so I would like to suggest, and of course there's, it's impossible to have any stats for this, I would like to suggest that for every atrocity that happens in the world, there's a thousand acts of kindness. Yeah, but we don't hear about those. Those aren't newsworthy. No, and it's not right? lucrative to cover that kind of news. That's right. And if you doubt that, then you're watching too much news. But also, if you doubt that, think about your own life. How, how many cruel things do you do for every kind thing that you do? Right? And most people are going to be like, I don't... Most people don't do cruel things very often, right? Mm -hmm. We all slip up. We all have those moments. But the world is a lot better place than it makes itself out to be. Right. And we are a lot closer to a lot of things that are going to serve to evolve humanity very quickly than most people realize. And I think that's the core message of the evolutionary is to say that we're on the cusp we're at the tipping point. It's already started to tip. The question is how fast is it going to tip, right? Because every day that we don't evolve as a species is a day that millions of people live in violence and, and lack and destruction and fear and stuff like this. So just from a humanitarian perspective, if you want to do something, evolve yourself, right? Yeah, like, sounds so simple, paying. but we can do that. <laughs> It Start taking simple. it seriously no, in your own life and your own daily practice of your life. Start being a beacon for the truth. Start being a person who's willing to evolve into their highest self, trusting that there's a collective wave of this occurring 
that's going to start pulling people along in its wake. And that's how the shift happens. And it's, and it, it's important to know that everyone's going to have a very unique path, right? Everyone's going to, and they have to find their unique path because, you know, I could sit at the feet of the Buddha and do all the stuff that he said and not reach enlightenment because it was his path, not my path, right? So, you know, he can point the way and maybe still have to go find it. And, and methodology, you know, you just, if you don't know what to do, start trying some, right? Start start looking it's going to speak to you you're going to find the stuff that that makes the most sense and you can do some of the things that i suggest or some of the things that you suggest in your book congratulations by the way <laughs> on finishing that first draft thank you uh, looking forward to reading it um you know but you're going to find stuff that speaks to you and that's always going to be changing it's not like you ever arrived right it's a path it's yeah. a path that goes all the way through your life and probably into the next one and uh, but the point now is to that it's go time for humanity and we're at a very special time in human history where many factors have come together to make it possible for a very few people to have a massive impact on the collective consciousness of the species and so it's only going to take one more person to do this and that's whoever's listening right now right if you do this the world's going to be saved <laughs> Yes, you. We're talking to you. We're we're right there. And yeah. And uh and that's I think the biggest thing to know is that there are so many people that want to wake up right now. There are so many people that are asking, how can I help heal the world? That uh we're hitting that tipping point. And the tipping point it doesn't have to be violent. In fact, it can't be violent. It's violence would be a regression. Revolution means to revolve, to go back and do it again. And, you know, ecologically, we don't have time to do that. Right. We don't have time for another repetition of uh, violent revolution and then rise of whatever and then violent revolution, right? It's, we have to evolve now into that species that is beyond violence yeah. and that species that lives in harmony with each other and with our environment. And as Michael Jackson would say, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. That's right. Yeah. That, there's so much magic that goes on with that microcosm, macrocosm thing. Like the, the personal alchemy of transforming your world by tra outer world, by transforming your inner world. Mm -hmm. The whole Gandhi stuff about be the change you want to see. There's so much magic that goes on there. It, it just jives with the Ho'oponopono kahuna stuff from Hawaii. And it's like like getting our minds around the fact that I actually created this entire world, me, and I'm sustaining it as it is me with my worldview and my beliefs and, and the feelings I hold in my heart. And if I can change those, I can change the whole world. Yes. And there's no better day to begin than right now. And right now. because I know us, I know we could actually talk about this for many, many hours. Um, so <laughs> I want to remind people because that we have, yes, because <laughs> we have, and we do, and we will, um, that you can get into this conversation even deeper by checking out the evolutionary podcast. It's the evolutionary.libson.com or you can find him on Facebook or you can find the evolutionary podcast. Is that Instagram? Is it the evolutionary or the evolutionary Instagram podcast? is the evolutionary life and Facebook is the group is called the evolutionary life. Awesome. So you should get 
You should be able to get to it at Facebook slash the evolutionary life. I think it'll take you right to the group. Okay. Awesome. Or facebook.com slash groups slash. And I'm working on my website. Fabulous. We're still working on the website, but the podcast is available and the book will be out soon. If you guys are interested, please go follow David Knox and check out this movement and this message because it's potent AF and it's a great conversation to be inside of lots of insights and wisdom And is there any last words? I mean, we've been giving people a lot of good juicy stuff to go out and think and do and be, but any last thing you'd like to leave people with? Yeah, this is, this is really important. Have fun. Jesus, find some joy. I mean, (laughs) this is really important to do, to put into the morphogenetic field of the species. Like it's, it's a service. It's an accomplishment to experience bliss and joy. So do that. That's a good first step. Yes, that feels good just talking about it. I love it. Well, thank you, David, so, so much for being my friend and for being a beacon for this message to just be broadcast out into the world and for doing the work to show up and make a podcast that has this at its core. Um, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you being in the world and I'm grateful that the world gets to receive your magic in all the many ways that you're going out and sharing it. And thank you, everyone who's listening. Please go follow David Knox. Check him out. And while you're here on Tactical Magic, please rate and review the show. Share it with a friend if you dig it. And we will be back next week with another episode. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Molly. I love you. Love you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Tactical Magic. To find out more, please visit our website, wildheartsriseup.com. Be sure to take a second and subscribe to the show and come back next week for another edition of Tactical Magic.